Good morning. It's, isn't this amazing that we get to do this? Give me one second. That we get to do this like coming together. We get to connect. Uh, this morning, like I've, I've met a couple of new people and we meet new people and we, we meet, we find out new things about people that we already know. Um, for instance, like Brett said, my name's Jared. And <laughs> Osmond, not Osborne. And um, that's my beautiful wife, Keisha. But that's a terrible example because we already knew it because Brett said it. So here's something maybe that you didn't know. I used to compete internationally in karate championships overseas. Yeah, like the whole story, the whole cliche, black belt, Ichnisan, Kia, like <laughs> the whole thing. Yeah, this is, this is how it went. I'm in my teens and I eat, sleep and breathe karate. Like I'm mad about it and like I'm pretty good at it, but I want to get really good at it. And so I start training and I train and I train and I get better and better. It's like one of those 80s movie supercut training montages. Like I'm running early in the morning in the rain before the sun's up. Uh, I'm bench pressing boulders. I'm kicking trees. <laughs> I have the tiger just starts playing randomly wherever I am. No. Uh, but so, and then eventually it happens. I get told, listen, you've been picked for the team that's going to go and compete in Japan. And they give me this little badge that I have to sew on the side of my, my karate suit. And so I start to think, man, I've really done this. I've made it. And I've got the badge. And then I start to, something weird starts happening. I start noticing girls. And I, <laughs> I start going to parties. And I start staying out late a little more. And I start training a little less. And before I know it, my, my coach, sorry, my sensei, pulls me aside and he says, Jarudu-san, what the? No, I'm kidding. He's Afrikaans. <laughs> he, he, says, he says, Jared, what are you doing? You've got an amazing opportunity here. You, you said that this is what you wanted to do, you, you, but you're not stepping into it. And I look at him and I go, no, I, I made it. Look, I've got the badge. I'm on the team. That was the dream. And he starts shaking his head. It's like a wise karate mastery head shake. And then he smiles and he says to me, you never said that getting the badge was the dream. You never said making the team was the dream. You said competing for the team was the dream. And I think that's where, I think a lot of us do this in different ways. I think if I give you some examples, you'll see it in your own life. Names change. So the intern becomes the boss, or the player becomes the, 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 the captain or the coach. In a similar way, like the, the lost becomes found. The sinner becomes saved. But then something happens. We get, we get tripped up by the idea that this designation, this title, was the destination. That, that shortcuts the journey. We've made it. And we fail to see that that title has to mean something to our lives. The designation has to transform us in some way. So, well, this is similar to what the Apostle Paul says in Romans. He says, in this case, if you have the badge, what shall we say then? That's the question we're asking this morning. What shall we say then? And if you're joining us for the first time, we've just finished a series, an amazing series called Good News for the Weary Soul. 
and we've looked at some pretty heavy stuff. Doctrines. There's a word that sounds like it weighs about as much as a Hilux. And it's been justification, and it's been redemption, and propitiation, and uh, regeneration, almost forgot it, <laughs> regeneration. And that's all told us what the work of Jesus in our lives has been, the glorious work of the gospel. And so now today, what I want to do is I want to look at what the implications of those things are for our lives. How should this transform us? What's our response? What's your response to the good news? And to be honest, it feels like a pretty tall order, and I know we've prayed already, but I really, if you'd help me, I want to just pray to God again. Father God, show us your glory in your word. Show us your son in your word the one who is our justification, who is our redemption, who is our propitiation, the one who gives us new life. Holy Spirit, I pray that you open our eyes and our minds to this, but more than that, that you soften our hearts to it, that we can receive it this morning. All this I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so like I've said, we've just finished a series on some big words that have some brilliant implications for our lives. It's the glorious, miraculous work of Jesus in our lives. It's the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But in case you've missed any of it, don't worry. Like any self-respecting series, we have a recap. Previously on. And it's gonna be up there in a second. But basically, Jesus has done the work. Jesus has paid the price. Jesus has taken the punishment and Jesus has given us the promise of a new life, an abundant new life. So people are sitting there, maybe some of you are sitting there going, well, how'd that take four weeks to say? <laughs> it's heavy stuff. It's important stuff. And I encourage you to go back and look at the sermons again. Try and dig through it again because it's really important that we wrestle with these things. But this morning, my aim is to show that there's a conclusion the Bible says we draw from this good news. Paul says in Romans 6 that there's a conclusion that we draw from this. That's the scripture we're gonna anchor ourselves in this morning. So you can read along with me in a second on the screen, but it's Romans 6 verse one to four. Paul says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, there's a reason, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If this doesn't floor me, if this doesn't send a shiver down my spine, then this morning I have to ask how honest have I really been about who I am outside of Christ? I have to ask, what is my life outside of his saving work? Because if I get that, if I really get it, then I get this. Then I get the good news. I get that Jesus' work in my life is good news. And there are two clear implications here in what Paul's saying to us. First, he says, in light of this good news, we don't go on sinning. We'll get into the technicalities of that in a moment, but... We don't go on living the way that we did. Why? Well, that's the second point. He says, because we've been baptized into faith, into, into Christ's death, and because he, we've died with him, we've been raised to life with him. A new life. 
it can seem so straightforward, especially if we've heard these verses before, if we've looked at them before. But I want us to see the thing in the middle of those two points, the question that Paul asks. He says, or don't you know? Don't you know? If this morning the gospel isn't changing our lives, we have to ask, do we know it? Do we know it? I'm gonna give us a bit of context here. Paul is writing to the churches of Rome. And so that means he's writing to Christians. But the problem is these people aren't living up to the full glory of what that title means, Christian means. It's the designation, the badge. So in Romans chapters one to three, he explains why we need the gospel, the good news. And he tells us through justification and redemption and propitiation and regeneration in chapters three and four, how it's come about. We don't have to do any of the work. Jesus has done it all. Because the churches in Rome are living Christianity as if it's just a new title. You were X, now you're Y. You were Jews, now you're Christians. And they're missing the point that this is supposed to transform their lives. We're missing the point that this is supposed to transform us. It's supposed to be a new life. All the stuff that we've heard over the last four weeks can't just be words. It has to be more. It's, otherwise, it's potential that hasn't been unlocked. It's purpose that hasn't been unlocked. It's a redeemed, an unredeemed, unreceived gift. I'm gonna give us another story here just to color it in a little bit. I've already confessed my secret karate past. I might as well just make one more confession. Um, <laughs> The good news, if we don't accept it, if it doesn't transform us, is like a gift card that we haven't redeemed. And so, here's the story. It's the 17th of December, 2022, and that's my birthday. Notice for everyone for this year. Um, and that's great because I'm getting given gifts and people are, are, are sort of, they know me and so they're giving me things that I like. And one of the things I really like is books. And so somebody gives me an exclusive books gift voucher for 350 rand. Terrifying because that's what a good paper book costs these days. It's a story for another time, but paper is just better, people. Um, and <laughs> thank you. And so what happens is uh, I've got a long list of books that I really want to own, that I really want to buy. But as I want to, I want to read them and enjoy them, or just stack them high, like on my leaning tower of paperbacks that's next to my bedside table. But I don't have any of them right now, almost a year and a half later, because I haven't redeemed the gift card. I see some judgy faces. Don't pretend you don't have a gift card sitting in a card, a birthday card or a Christmas card somewhere at home, or parents, a Mother's Day or a Father's Day card. No, okay, fine, fine, maybe I'm wrong. How's about this? <laughs> you know that, okay, I've lived in Cape Town now for nine years this month, and Every year, as Cape Townians, we can enjoy more than 1,600 rands worth of free stuff, treats and experiences in Cape Town, free. Do you think I've done one of those things yet? No. Who has? Show hands. Yes, okay, there we go, see. And you know, Table Mountain Cable Car, free. Two Oceans Aquarium, free. The Big Wheel, don't know why you'd wanna do it, but it's free if you do. A romantic ride down the promenade on a rented bicycle, free. Museums, movies, free. The point is there's a whole bunch of stuff sitting out there that we can redeem tomorrow, but many of us don't 
do it. We don't claim it. Let me reword what Paul said to make my point. You have been given this gift card. What shall you say then? Do you go on buying books the way you used to with money? By no means. Or don't you know that when you were given the card, you were given a new way to buy a book? Good. Landing. What shall we say then if this is the good news? So in preparing for this, I was rereading Romans, and I was, I was thinking about Paul, and I was thinking about what he calls himself. He says, I'm a Pharisee of Pharisees. He says, it basically means I'm a Jew of Jews. This guy really knew Israel's history, the whole, the whole lot. And so I wondered, did he start seeing, while he's telling these people in Rome to step into the glory that's in front of them, did he start thinking about Israel? and how they are shadows of their story in this. Because I see it in the Old Testament. I'll give us a quick condensed version of it. But God's rescued Israel from a desperate state of slavery in Egypt. The Bible tells us he's heard their cries and he comes in with a miraculous, loving, loving act and undeniable miracles and he saves them and they cross the Red Sea far from Pharaoh and far from a life of baking bricks for pyramids or whatever they use them for. But then they turn around and this is what they say. He's just saved them. He's just reminded them, you have a new designation. You are my people. That's your badge. That's your designation. But now I need you to come with me. I need you to step into the promised land. I need you to change where you are. And this is what they say. In Exodus 14, we read that the Israelites turn to Moses and they say, what have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians. It would be better for us to stay and serve the Egyptians than to now die in the desert. They're told they only have to trust the Lord and follow him and he'll change where they are. He'll give them something new. He'll give them the promised land and they say, leave me alone. Why did you take me from where I was? It it wrecks me because God's just brought them out of Egypt through this love, through these miracles And five minutes into some tough times, they go, leave me alone. Why did I come here? And that's our response many of the time. uh, That's how we live out our Christianity. Often, I've done it. When we landed here in Cape Town, um, it was amazing. God made a way. And then we got here, and things didn't go exactly as I had planned. And so immediately, I started shouting at God, probably while looking at some amazing scenery. And I started saying, why, why did you bring me here? Why didn't you just leave me there? Where I was. I've been Israel too many times in my life. And I think many of us have. If we catch ourselves thinking, though, that Israel really should have gotten it because Israel had the miracles. That, remember, they had like a cloud of pillar, a pillar of cloud and a, and a pillar of fire. They had the quail and they had the manna and they had the Red Sea thing, the whole parting Red Sea. So they really should have believed it. But they only were promised a promised land, which is just a form and a shape of what we're promised. We have the promised man the gift of a relationship with God incarnate, Jesus Christ. That's the good news. That's what we have to ask, what then shall we say? Leave me alone? I wish I was back there. 
It reminds me of Shawshank Redemption. It's a great, great movie. It's a fun fact. It's written by Steve, by, uh, it's based on a book written by Stephen King. But we meet Red and Andy there. They're our main characters. They're played by Tim Robbins and Morgan Freeman. And as we're learning their story, we meet another man, Brooks. And Brooks has been there for a really long time. So long that actually no one there can remember a time before Brooks. And so everybody's dreaming about getting out, being free men, living on the outside, except Brooks. He's only pretending. But one day it happens. Brooks gets the notice. You're free. Go. You've gotten the pardon. Your, your cell door is open. The prison guards won't touch you. The cuffs are off. Go. Leave. But he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to leave the prison. Because he did something stupid as a kid and it landed him in prison and that's where he's lived his entire life and now he's, he's got the pardon but he's not letting it transform his life. He's not letting it move him out. And so that's what we've got to realize. Brooks meets a very sad end. And it all sounds incredibly lonely to me, doesn't it? Egypt left back in the, Israel left back in the brick forges of Egypt. Brooks left back in the lonely three by three cell. That's terrifying. And there's this quote from Freddie Mercury. If anybody is in life groups, I hope you are, and you've been doing Alpha, I've nicked it from there, but it's got such a powerful implication for us telling God, leave me alone. Because there are implications. And he says, Freddie Mercury says, you, have, you can have everything in the world and still be the loneliest man. And that's the most bitter type of loneliness. Success has brought me world idolization and millions of pounds, but it's prevented me from having the one thing we all need, a loving, ongoing relationship. A loving, ongoing relationship. If Freddie Mercury ever heard or read the words of Romans, then he missed what God is saying can be ours. A loving, ongoing relationship with Christ. Romans 8.35 says, Who then shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall troubles or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? He carries on just a verse later, and please listen to this. If you hear nothing else this morning, hear this. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither present, nor future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Are you lonely? Jesus says, know me and you'll never know loneliness again. Know me and you'll never know loneliness again. Unite with me. He says, be in me, be in my body. I'll graft you into community. Never loneliness, not when you live life in me, new life in me. So we compare Freddie Mercury's words to the joy in these very simple old words from a Sunday school hymn. Things are different now. Something's happened to me when I gave my heart to Jesus. Things are different now. I was changed, it must be, when I gave my heart to him. Things I loved before have passed away. Things I love far more have come to stay. 
Things are different now. Something's happened to me when I gave my heart to Jesus. Things I loved before have passed away. Things I love far more have come to stay. That's a changed life. That's a transformed life. New loves. That's the product of the good news. In a book called The Transforming Power of the Gospel, a guy named Jerry Bridges, no relation to Jeff, he says it like this. To see the law by Christ fulfilled and hear his pardoning voice changes a slave into a son and a duty into a choice. That's the way we should be living if we answer Paul's question, so what then shall we do if we've heard the gospel? And to those of us who know Jesus, Paul says, you've been given the voucher. You've been given the pardon. Your prison door is open. What, you've made the team. You've got the badge. What then will you do? What are you going to say then? No thanks. I'm going to hold on to the voucher. No thanks. I've got the badge. That's good enough. No thanks. I'm going to stay here in prison. I'm saying it out loud so we hear how, we, how, how doof we sound when we say these things. Or do we live as Philippians 1.27 tells us to? Whatever happens, conduct yourselves. Live in a manner worthy of the gospel. We've spent four weeks learning just what Christ has done for us. The amazing work of Jesus. We don't have to do anything else except live in it. That's all he calls us to. So are we going to live a life of joy worthy of the gospel? The good news of Christ. I went and looked it up. We are told that we get given new life. In Romans 6, it's just 29 verses long. There, Paul uses the words live, life, and alive 11 times. And in eight of the verses that are there, he uses the word death related to our sin and our old selves and our slavery. And that, that's what he's trying to get through to us. Can you hear the joy of the good news in there? Paul has literally crammed as much news into those 29 verses as he possibly could. Because it's joy, freedom. You don't die with Christ just to avoid suffering eternal death. You die with Christ and gain new life. You don't just die with Christ to avoid suffering eternal death. You die with him to gain new eternal life. And those of you who don't know Jesus, Romans 6 asks you, don't you know? Don't you know? Maybe this morning you're coming to know this for the first time. Maybe your heart is softened for the first time to this. But he's saying the gift voucher is there for you too. Can we close our eyes? If you're, if you're hearing this for the first time this morning, and something's happening, if you're feeling joy, if you're feeling optimism, if you're feeling these things bubble up inside of you and you can't explain it because you're looking at the facts of your life and it doesn't make sense, then I'm telling you, the Spirit is saying to you what Jesus says. Are you tired? Are you weary? Come to me. Are you living your life like it's just a march towards death? Come to me. 
because Jesus says to you right now, your prison clothes can drop to the floor. Your cell door can open. The guards of shame and guilt and anxiety won't touch you. You'll be able to walk out the doors and walk out of slavery as long as you walk into him. As long as you walk forward with him. Because he's died for you. This is the good news. Jesus has done the work. Jesus has paid the price. Jesus has taken the punishment. And Jesus has given us the promise of a new abundant life. So what then shall we say? Father God, the Bible tells me that your, your word is truth and life. The Bible tells me that Jesus has paid it all. He's done everything that I couldn't do. He tells me that I've died with him and that through that, the penalty of my sin is gone. But it also tells me that you condoned this so that I would gain new life as Christ was risen from the grave into his new life. So Spirit, I pray that you, you empower me to live that good life, to live that way, to walk in the joy that you've given us, Father God. And then... Lord Jesus, I will worship you now and because of it, I'll worship you for eternity. In Jesus' name, amen.